Well, hi there, and welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode, and I'm so glad you're joining me. I want to take a minute before we get started and invite you to head over to our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights this podcast, Unshaken, our blog called Planted, our mom-to-mom ministry aimed at encouraging mothers in the work they do, and also our Regarding Him conference that happens yearly in March. There is so much good content on these socials, you are not going to want to miss it, so go follow them today. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory, like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, CastBox. It helps us out and it also helps you out because you get notifications of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can also reach out to us at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you ever have any ideas, suggestions, or thoughts about an episode. Or maybe you just want to tell me about something that you heard on an episode and how it impacted you. Finally, Unshaken is a podcast for women, put on by women, and our goal is to encourage and challenge and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Do you know what I did this morning? I brushed my teeth. Do you know why I brushed my teeth? Well, the real reason is because I've built a habit. See, I learned this when I was a little girl. I watched my mom and my dad and my brothers and sisters all brush their teeth. I knew all my friends brushed their teeth. I watched people brush their teeth on TV. It was just a normal part of my day. It didn't seem strange or abnormal. You know what else happened? I watched all my brothers and sisters, my mom and dad, brush their teeth before bedtime. So guess what? I brush my teeth before bedtime today. Sometimes I'm feeling kind of crazy and I brush my teeth in the middle of the day. See, brushing your teeth is just a normal part of what we do every day. It's good for our teeth. It helps keep them healthy. It helps us to avoid bad breath. Honestly, it's just a discipline of life, and there are so many of these. I don't even really think about it now because I've done it for so many years. So there's lots of disciplines of life, like washing your hands, drinking daily your water, doing dishes, making your bed. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. And these disciplines of life help us. They help us live in our everyday. Today, we're going to listen to a talk from the most recent Mom to Mom that was given by Sharon Arndt. This topic is called Faithful Discipline, and we are going to learn all about how God has blessed us as mothers with the job of being faithful in disciplining our children. We're going to find out exactly how and why we should do this. Good morning. Sorry about that entrance. So I'm here to talk about biblical discipline. But before I head there, I'm going to show you a picture. It's a throwback from 1987. Does anyone know who that is? Lisa, you knew me then. It's me and my husband. How about that dress? I really don't know what I was thinking. He married me anyway. Now, I think we would have run opposite ways if we knew what was in store for us. This is our most recent family picture. 
crazy, right? I never thought I would have 11 kids. So this is my family picture if I was in charge and did things my way. You see, I was not open to having more kids. Why would I want more kids? I had two boys, two girls, the perfect family. Everyone had someone to ride with at Cedar Point. You see, this was a point of contention for me. My family growing up had three kids. Someone always had to ride solo at Cedar Point. God says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. God, in his kindness, softened my heart to be open to more children. And he blessed me with seven more than I could handle. So you guys should all be thanking me because the girl to the right of the bride, she's been providing the breakfast this whole year. So thank Morgan when you get a chance. So my plan, God's plan. His was so much better than mine. Children are a blessing. So these are my grandkids. They're adorable, aren't they? They would never do anything wrong. <laughs> Don't let charm blind you to the fact that these kids, my kids, all kids, are sinners just like you and me. They're not naive and innocent. They are very calculating and smart. A two-year-old knows how to get what they want. Haven't we all seen the kid on the floor at the grocery store kicking and screaming? Does that mom look like she's in charge? Absolutely not. That kid is in charge and running the show. Unchecked disobedience over a long period of time leads to these outbursts. And the worst part, that mom is so embarrassed and beside herself, she will buy that kid anything just to get them to stop. It does not have to be this way. Proverbs says, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Remember, children are a blessing. So we need to be disciplining and training our kids so they will obey and be a blessing, not only to us, but to others around them as well. So, I'm being real here. I am no sage on a stage. Yes, I am old. I have gray hair, and I'm a grandmother. God has granted me some wisdom with this topic. However, I am on the front lines right alongside all of you. I still have kids in my home. I have dealt with lying, cheating, rebellion, scoffing, disrespect, laziness, and disobedience in my home over the past few months. So let's start by asking a question. What is your goal in parenting? Moses told the Israelites what was required of them before they entered the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the desert. Sometimes dealing with kids Feels like it's going to last for 40 years. However, most kids will be moved on in 18 or 20 years. So, when our kids leave our homes, this passage from Deuteronomy is a solid goal for us to set our minds on. 
And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. So basically, in a nutshell, I want my kids to fear God, love God, serve God, and obey his commands. And why do we want this for our kids? For their good. So, let's look at these two words. Discipline and disciple. They're very similar. They have the same letters. They almost look exactly alike. They are indeed closely related. Let me explain. This is kind of fumbly, so bear with me. Discipline refers to the process by which one learns a way of life. A disciple was like an apprentice who was learning a trade or craft from a master. Such learning required a relationship between the master who knew the way of life, the discipline, and a learner, a disciple. Within this relationship, the master led a learner through a process, the discipline, until the learner could imitate or live like the master. Now Jesus called 12 men to be his disciples. Through his call, he established a master-learner relationship with them. As they lived and worked with him, Jesus disciplined them in his understanding of what God wanted. The discipline involved both praise and criticism, affirmation and rebuke. The 12 were his apprentices in the work God called Jesus to do. The biblical definition of discipline is this. Discipline includes all the ways we guide our children toward discipleship with our words and actions. On the proactive side, discipline involves modeling, teaching, encouraging, training, and setting clear expectations. On the reactive side, it involves praising, correcting, rebuking, and letting children experience the consequences of their actions. So, did you catch the two forms of discipline I mentioned? I highlighted them in yellow for you. Julie, what are they? Proactive and reactive. Good job. All right, so reactive discipline is probably what we most think about when we consider discipline. Spanking, timeouts, grounding. I propose that we focus 90% of our time being proactive, then we will spend much less time reacting to our kids. So think of your kids as your apprentices. You are called to disciple and dis discipline them not over days or months, but over years and years. You are training them to be a follower of Christ. You are leading by example and training them day in and day out. The five key aspects of proactive discipline are modeling, teaching, encouraging, training, and setting clear expectations. So first off, let's start with modeling. Okay, your kids are learning by watching you. What are you modeling to your kids? First and foremost, model holiness. You shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. This is stated nine different places in the Bible. So be holy, fight your sin, and set before your kids a godly example. Show your little apprentices by your own actions how to fear God, love God, serve God, and obey his commands. As you think about your sin, your kids will do what you do. 
the sins I struggle with are the same sins I see my kids struggle with. Exodus says, I keep my promises to my people forever, but I also punish anyone who sins. When people sin, I punish them and their children and also their grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Whoa, my sin will affect my great-grandchildren. So, fight your sin, walk in repentance, apologize when you sin against your kids, and apologize when they have a front row seat to see you sin. So, this would be the end of my talk today, if we could just do this one thing, model holiness perfectly before our kids. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Your actions, day in and day out, shout to your kids what you value, and they will imitate you in what you do. Can't we all relate to this? My husband is a Tigers fan. Our kids are Tigers fans. My son-in-law loves to hunt. His dad loves to hunt. My dad was a bricklayer. His dad was a bricklayer. Hannah and Elizabeth love to sew. Where are they? I'm guessing Violet and Rahab love sewing as well. Am I right? Okay. You're on a stage all the time. You are modeling proactive discipline every Sunday that you're in church. Any idea what that would be? Julie, do you know? (laughs) Nobody knows? Okay, I'll tell you. Sitting under the preaching of God's word is proactive discipline. You are being taught God's ways and how to apply God's word in your life. You model this for your kids when you make being in church a priority. If you spend Sunday mornings on the soccer field, you're telling your kids soccer is more important than being in church. Remember, they'll do what you do. If your Bible sits on the shelf collecting dust, will your kids read their Bible? No, again, model what you want them to do. So take heed of what you're modeling for your kids. So that covers modeling. Next up, teaching and training. So this includes four things. Teaching God's word. I'm gonna move this as well too. Sorry. Okay, there we go. All right, teaching God's word, instilling godly character traits, serving others, and working hard. First and foremost, teach your children God's word. Read the word to your kids. Talk about the word with your kids. Memorize the word. A little plug here for Awana. This is our Wednesday night kids program. If your kids participate in every level that we offer, preschool to sixth grade, they will have memorized 270 verses. It's a great program. Sing the word to your kids. Make up songs. I do that all the time. There's many bands that sing scripture word for word. So play these songs in your car, in your home, and you're getting the word in your kids through music. Use the word when correcting wrong behavior. I use this book. It's an old tattered book for instruction in righteousness. It's basically a topical reference guide for biblical training. You can look up laziness and it goes through 10 different whole pages of what it is, where it leads if you don't turn from that sin. I know this because I've just gone through this with my boys. Um, So be proactively talking about lying, laziness, disobedience. Don't just be reacting to these things. Using God's wisdom, not your own, will produce lasting change. Using the Bible allows your kids to see 
that sin is against a holy God and not just something that made you mad or angry. Know what God commands so you can teach your kids. Some key commands I stress in my home, obey your parents, consider others better than yourself, be truthful and don't lie, be slow to speak, quick to hear, pray without ceasing and everything give thanks, work diligently as to the Lord and not for me. Everything I just said is straight scripture and by no means a complete list. So that wraps up teaching God's word. Let's move on to instilling godly character. So what does this include? Here's a list of godly character traits. Obedience, cheerfulness, deference, orderliness, diligence, loyalty, gentleness, gratitude, truthfulness, service, and hospitality. So talk about these traits. Teach your kids what they mean. What is deference? What does deference look like in a five-year-old? Like, you want the blue cup, I have the blue cup, you can have the blue cup. Basic stuff like that. So, praise your kids when you see these traits. Have you considered that the books you read to your children are training them? Choose books wisely. My all-time favorite books taught my kids about character. They were rhyming and fun, and when I read those books, I was proactively training my kids in godly character. So, Buzzle Billy, Sir Maggie the Mighty, Max and the Big Fat Lie, all these books focused on character. If my kids were being selfish, I could quickly say, don't be a Buzzle Billy, and they knew what that meant. Remember what happened to Max when he lied, or when Maggie was not obedient. These books were great teaching tools and gave my kids a solid word picture of exactly what I was talking about. I love Dr. Stoops, but incorporating books that emphasize character and godly behavior is vital and helpful as you're training and teaching your kids. As my kids got older, we went through a book entitled Character Building for Families. This is all scripture-based, and it goes through various character traits. I love these YWAM books. Um, you've seen these. Um, they're about missionaries, famous people, Christian heroes. Uh, Milton Hershey, George Mueller stand out to me. So I'm trying to be super practical today. I just want to give a quick example of what this might look like if you read these, if you start reading books. I'm not saying you don't read books now, but okay. So Milton, <clears throat> his family was very poor growing up. His dad was a bit of a bum. He learned the value of working hard because they lived on a farm. He only had a fourth grade education and his ideas failed many, many times. He finally settled on chocolate and hit it big. I'm sure every store we go into has a Hershey bar. Um, he became a self-made millionaire. He went on to build a modest home and he used his wealth to start a boarding school where kids from low-income families could obtain an education and square meals, something he never had. Milton Hershey School is still there today and it enrolls 2,000 students yearly free of charge. The endowment left by Milton funds this school. Kids today are still benefiting from his generosity. So contrast Milton Hershey to George Vanderbilt, who came into his wealth around the same time. Vanderbilt 
inherited his wealth. He did not know the value of hard work. He built a 175,000 square foot mansion on 125,000 acres in Asheville, North Carolina. So for reference, the bottom floor of this church is 40,000 square feet. So that is a ginormous house. Um, built more estates, if you're familiar with that. George Vanderbilt gratified the desires of his flesh. He's best known for collecting art. The towering Biltmore is the selfish legacy of Vanderbilt. The home is a tourist attraction and people pay to walk through it. It has no eternal purpose. Hershey is a shining example of solid character and generosity. The immense wealth of Cornelius Vanderbilt, George's grandfather, was squandered within 50 years of his death. Added caution, George was the youngest child. Don't let your foot off the gas with your youngest kids. This is a big caution for me. What a great launching point to discuss the character and legacy of these two men. It's a powerful lesson for your kids. As your kids get older, read books that may not align with what God says. It's a great opportunity to help them grow in discernment. Provide your kids with examples of people who trust God and stories that will build their character. So we cover teaching the word and character. Next up is service. <clears throat> so train your kids to be servants. This is played out in so many ways. Encourage them in service to their siblings, first and foremost. Challenge your kids to serve guests in your home when you host. Make your kids talk with others who are older, younger, or different from them. Train them to recognize people that may need help. Open doors for others, help with groceries, push a cart for someone. Giving them eyes to see outside themselves is an important element of service. So for my son's last birthday, I told him he can invite a few friends for dinner. First on his list, Ted Place and Mr. James. So I was a bit surprised by this, if I'm honest, but I shouldn't be surprised because I require my kids to talk to lots of different people. So here's a picture from the party. Uh, Ted is 95, Mr. James is 82. Danny, who is 11 years old, considers them friends and wanted them at his party. They both came and look at their smiling. Mr. James is smiling. They had a lot of fun. They were thrilled to be there. I was pleasantly surprised by how well this went and I would have never included them on the guest list. So as you challenge your kids to step out of their comfort zone and talk to a variety of people, you will be delighted by the ways God works. So, we have covered teaching the word, godly character, and service. Next up, working hard. So, <clears throat> train your kids to work hard at a young age. They need to be useful members of your home. If you serve your kids all the time and don't require anything from them, you will breed entitled, spoiled, undisciplined kids who are miserable to be around. So, Chores start at the age of two in our home. You're not doing this to give yourself more free time or to sit around and eat bonbons. You are much better at doing things than your two-year-old. Your kids doing chores will create more work for you. 
However, long range goals here. I propose to let your kids mess up and for you to be okay with that. Let the forks be in with the spoons. Let dirty di dishes be put away in the cabinet. Let dishes be shattered when little people are emptying the dishwasher. Let your husband be miles away on a business trip and discover he has socks that don't match. Let your vacuum cord be run over so many times it needs to be replaced. Let cream cheese be put away in the pantry. Let your lawn have long strips of grass between each row. So if you're sitting here thinking, wow, Sharon, those are very specific. Well, every single one of these happened in my home and I live to tell you about it. It'll be okay. All these mishaps are a small price to pay to instill a work ethic into your kids. That wraps up the four aspects of what to be teaching and training proactively. Okay, say it with me, you guys are experts now. Teaching God's word, instilling godly character traits, serving others, and working hard. Okay, moving on to expectations. What are your expectations? This is a huge piece of proactive discipline. So some reasonable expectations might include, expect your kids to read the word every day. Expect them to sit in church and listen and take notes when they're able. Kids as young as a year and a half can sit through church without toys or books. Expect your kids to be obedient and respectful to you, your husband, pastors, teachers, basically anyone they come in contact with. Expect them to be hardworking. Expect them to respect the property of others. This includes eating at the table and not running all over your home or the homes of others, creating a trail of crumbs. That's my little pet peeve, so I get to be up here and tell you all that. <laughs> Expect your kids to care for and steward well the things God has blessed them with, their rooms, toys, books, and clothes. Enforce boundaries. Tell your kids the boundaries and make sure they understand. Before heading into the store, tell them you will keep one hand on the cart, you won't touch anything on the shelves, and you won't ask for candy at the checkout. You don't want to be the mom of that kid on the floor screaming and crying, right? So tell your kids it's not acceptable. I live on a busy street. I would draw a chalk line on the driveway and tell my kids you will not for any reason cross this line. This is being proactive. Expectations and boundaries will help you in managing your home and will also be a blessing to those that host you and your children in their homes. Respect covers lots of things. Children taught to respect one thing will most likely respect other things. So let's talk about proactive encouragement. Your kid does something kind for their sibling. You can react to that and encourage that behavior. Praise them when they show solid character. Morgan, where's Morgan? She's here somewhere. She was my rock star with mustering the troops to get the house spick and span when I was gone. I would come home and praise her for showing initiative. I even sing a song. It was a stupid made up song, but she remembers it. Uh, just yesterday, I got this text from Sarah. She works at Chick-fil-A. Can you guys see it says Crayon Initiative? She says, Mom, I saw that word and I couldn't help but singing that song. So it's stuck. 
So do stupid things, make up songs, dance in the kitchen, and your kids will remember it. I mean, I didn't think it would stick, but it stuck. No, I'm not, I can't sing. I'm not singing it, no. You make up your own song. <clears throat> so thank your kids when they come to you and confess sin before they get found out. Thank them for not lying to get out of trouble. Encourage honesty and don't freak out when your kids are forthright with you. So wrapping up proactive discipline, which includes, okay, you guys are experts now, modeling, teaching, encouraging, training, setting clear expectations. Okay, now let's talk about reactive discipline. So as I've said, most of this talk is about if we're doing all these proactive things, hopefully we're not gonna be spending a lot of time reacting to our kids, okay? So what types of things require discipline? Outright rebellion, refusing to obey, digging in heels, scoffing at you disrespectfully, whining, ignoring you, complaining and arguing, and lying. From Proverbs, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. I know that some of you may be cringing at the thought of spanking. It's directly from God's word, and it's true. Spankings are meant to inflict pain to prevent kids from repeating sinful behaviors. They're not the time for you to vent your anger. Most spankings in our home happen from ages one to five. Be sure you're employing discipline when your kids are out of line. Be consistent. If you are lazy in your discipline, it won't be effective. Other forms of discipline can be applied and they are effective when used in conjunction with the rod. There's nothing wrong with timeouts. However, if your kids are sitting there fuming and not having a change of attitude, that's not effective. The goal of discipline is to administer it and be back in fellowship with your child. Let me add here, when a child sins against another person, make them apologize. My kids are not allowed to just say, sorry. I make them say, please forgive me for exactly what they did wrong, and I make them apologize in person. So let's talk consequences. So <clears throat> for smaller kids, pretty simple, straightforward, spanking, timeouts, a swat on the hand, holding them firmly on your lap to let them know you're in charge, or taking away a privilege. So consequences for older kids. Sky is the limit here. Get creative. Know what makes your kids tick. Know their personalities. I have 11 kids. Trust me, they are all different. So curtail your discipline. Okay, okay, so spanking, although this should be rare if you're being consistent. You can take away privileges or phones. You can make your kids serve the person they're in conflict with or do their chores. Uh, I have my kids look up verses that apply to the issue they're struggling with. This is one of my best ideas. I have no idea what happened to this, but... So, it's a get-along shirt. So, two kids are fighting. I put them in the shirt together. And, I don't know, however long it takes for them to start giggling. Looks like Katie's giggling. Uh, Emily, not so much right now. Um, Anyway, it gets them distracted, takes the focus off themselves, and it was pretty effective. 
Um, Morgan loved this one, bow down before idols. So, my kids are fighting over a toy. I would take it away, put it between them, and say, this is becoming an idol for you, so you're gonna, you literally just punched your sister to get this. You're gonna sit here, bow down, and worship this toy for as long as it takes. So, after, you know, five, ten minutes, they'd be like, this is pointless. I'm like, yeah, your sin is pointless, and your sister is more important than this toy. So, lesson learned. Um, money always talks. You don't have time to clean your room and make your bed. No problem. I'll do it for you for $25. Or worse yet, you can pay a sibling to do it for you. So, you could change the internet password. I don't know how to do this, but maybe you guys do. Um, that's equivalent to taking away oxygen for a teenager. That could be very effective. And sometimes our kids just had really bad attitudes, so they need to let off steam. We'd send them in the yard to pick up sticks. If they come back in, still have a bad attitude, go pick up sticks in the neighbor's yard. <clears throat> so they would just keep picking up sticks until their attitude changed. Um, you could buy some concrete blocks and have them move them from one side of the yard to the other. Yes, this is pointless and non-productive work, but so is their sin, so it drives home the point. So get creative. There are so many things you can do. So moving on. So as your kids gain independence, they're at school, they're out of your home most of the day, they have jobs, they can drive, they will sin and you will not know about it. We stress to our kids that yes, most likely, you will get away with things that we never find out about. But God always sees. God has been faithful to make known to us what our kids are doing. They are shocked when we come to them and we know what they're doing. This gives us an opportunity to stress that God revealed it to us. This instills the fear of God, not the fear of me or my husband. Back to my goals. I want my kids fearing God when they leave my home. This is a great way to instill that. So, letting obedience slide is a slippery slope. You don't even realize you've slipped until one day you find yourself acting like a crazy lady and your home is in chaos. Get back on track, apologize if needed, and start again. So, if you're sitting here today and thinking, wow, I missed my window, my kid is a teenager, or my two-year-old doesn't listen to me no matter what I do. I just thought that was normal two-year-old stuff. What should I do? Well, first of all, pray. Ask God to help you. Ask him for wisdom. It's never too late. It's not too late to follow what God says. Second, talk with your husband about what you need to work on. And third, and probably most important, sit down with your kids and confess to them that you have allowed them to disobey, that you have not followed what God commands. They are disobedient because you did not train them. So be hopeful and take steps to incorporate the knowledge God has given you. And be realistic. You didn't get where you are in one day. You're not going to get where you want to be in one day either. So let me add here. I just blasted you with an overload of information. 
Everything I've said has been implemented over the course of 11 kids and 30 years of time in my home. Even as I was prepping for this talk, I identified areas where I have become lazy and let things slide. I was much better at this when I was wrangling 10 kids and pregnant. I'm serious. So you saw my family picture. I frequently think, well, I've done this three or four times. And yet, wait, you weren't even born the last time we went through this character book. I'm grateful for the reminder that I'm not finished yet. So these examples keep coming up and my boys are gonna be so glad when this talk is done because Monday night, I got home about 9.45, walked in the house. It looked like a tornado went through my kitchen. I'm not kidding, it was terrible. So I did what any sane mom would do. I yanked my boys out of bed and I brought them down and I was asking a few questions. So boys, I see the hot tub filter teetering on the top of the pile of dishes. Were you in the hot tub? Yeah, we changed the filter. Well, great. Did it ever cross your mind that you stack this on this pile of dishes and that's your job? And they're like half asleep, you know, like, oh, come on, mom. So <laughs> I made them clean up the entire kitchen. Um, and I might have been singing a lazy, non-diligent song. It's probably not gonna have the same effect as my initiative song. So I did have to go back and apologize to them. You know, I get sarcastic and it was not a good scene but they cleaned up my kitchen and I'm getting back on track. I was off track, I'm getting back on track. So, I've not arrived, you'll never arrive. It's a constant fight. So, start with one or two things, add in other things. Don't allow yourself to be frozen with fear or the thought that this is too hard. It's really not that hard. Most of what I've said today becomes a way of life and it becomes ingrained into the fabric of your family. Just start somewhere. So, next up, parenting mistakes. I call these rookie mistakes. Now, I know these full well because I've employed every single one of them. I'm here to tell you they do not work. So get out your pen and write these down. Don't do these, okay? So, first one, why'd you do that? Okay, that is a dumb question. I've never gotten a good answer, ever. So just don't ask it. You hurt me when you did that. Disobedience is not about you or how you feel. It's an offense against a holy God. Making your kids feel guilty about hurting you won't evoke change. You will be making the goal of discipline to not hurt mom, and that is not the goal. Okay, another big one, don't make me count to three. <clears throat> so, don't do this, please. You're basically training your kids to not listen to you until you get to three. Yelling. I might have just done this on Monday night. It doesn't work. This may seem to work at first, but you will have to continually yell louder and louder to get a response. Getting angry. Again, I was angry. Just because your kid has sinned doesn't mean you have to sin too. Anger is not a good plan. Another big one is saying something that you don't mean. If you're not going to follow through and make sure something is done, don't say it. Don't expect what you don't inspect. Clean your room. Inspect it to make sure it's done right. 
and discipline if it's not. Have you ever said, go to your room and you can come out about a week from never, or you're grounded for a year? All these little moms with two-year-olds probably haven't said that yet, but you will. That is not likely or probable, and you just said something that's not true. Only say what is true and realistic. Another mistake is delaying discipline until a more convenient time. You need to be willing to drop plans to take care of a disobedient, stubborn child. You may have to miss going places. There have been hours-long standoffs in my home with disobedient kids. Another big mistake is not disciplining because of your location. Grandma's house, the store. If you're around people that may not agree with how you discipline, and you fail to discipline because of this, you are fearing man and not fearing God. Obey what God commands, no matter where you are. Your kids will quickly learn they can be disobedient at the store or at grandma's because you won't deal with them there. Using bribery. That's equivalent to negotiating with a terrorist. <laughs> it does not work. That kid on the floor at the store bribing them to stop will have no limits. You'll be buying them a car someday. Arguing with your kids, another mistake. You are in charge, not them. This is a really dark hole if you get dragged there. Don't do this. Letting your kids whine and complain, that's a big parenting mistake. Don't allow this. And lastly, raise your hand if you have a kid who comes to you with a morning report. I think I've had two or three of these. So they come to you and say, so-and-so did this, so-and-so didn't do this, blah, 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 blah. They're tattletales. Make your kids work things out on their own as much as you can. Come to me if there's blood. <laughs> your kids will always be dealing with selfish people. This is good practice for them. Don't intervene on every little squabble. You will wear yourself out. And your kids won't learn how to figure things out on their own. Don't allow your kids to be tattletales. So, if you are making these rookie mistakes, you are crippling your ability to discipline effectively. Correctly administered, your kids should obey when you give instructions to them in a normal tone of voice. Discipline applied biblically, consistently, and correctly will be effective. So, I had my grandkids for about a week in January, and my three-year-old granddaughter was pushing the boundaries a little bit, digging in her heels. She wasn't listening. So I called her dad, told him what was going on. Mom, just spank her. Let me talk to her. So I hand her the phone. She immediately dissolved a puddle of tears. Okay, dad, just She's crying. So we hang up. She immediately did exactly what I was telling her to do. I didn't have to spank her. Her dad was a thousand miles away. At the sound of his voice, she fell into line. This works. If you find yourself thinking, wow, my kids are great. Maybe you're not telling them no often enough. Tell them no and see how they respond. If they fall on the floor and scream or stomp their feet, you have a problem. Make up ways to tell your kids no. 
they need to be told no. So speaking of that, if you drop me into a room with 25 kids, I can tell you within 10 minutes which kids are trained and which kids are not. The disciplined kids will listen when I say, don't go up the slide that way. The undisciplined ones will look at me and just continue what they're doing. They might even just ignore me. The trained kids will consider others and take turns. Undisciplined kids are selfish. Disciplined, trained kids are respectful and they listen. The parents of undisciplined kids make excuses. If a teacher or youth leader comes to you with an issue they see in your kid, don't make excuses. Thank those leaders and deal with it. This leads me to my last and final thought on this topic. Let the church come alongside you in your parenting. The first five years of parenting are solely you and your hubby, and then school, Awana, and sports start for your kids. Let others in, let them critique you, and don't get mad. We all have blind spots. Other people will be guiding and directing your kids. Your kids will learn things from them they didn't learn from you. You need to be okay with that. Other men and women in this church have come alongside Mike and me and have poured into my kids. All of my kids have grown from the impact of many godly people in this church. So those that know me well know that my second born, Jordan, was a real challenge for me. He was very strong-willed. I am very well acquainted with all those rookie mistakes I just warned you not to do because I made every single one of those multiple times with Jordan and my frustration. I look back at my parenting of him and I cringe. I was stalled out in the rookie parking lot of mistakes. I have this picture front and center on my dresser so I can see it every day. This picture reminds me of the goodness of God. Despite my grievous parenting, God worked mightily in my son. God used men and women in this church to help Mike and me mold and shape him. This is at Jordan's ordination to become a pastor. Jordan is surrounded by all these men who spoke the truth to him when he rejected it from me. They were integral to his maturity and his faith. They challenged, exhorted, and sharpened him in ways I was unable to. Under no circumstances would I have pegged Jordan to be a pastor. When pigs fly, was when I would have pegged myself to be a mom of 11 kids. I am grateful that God showed me he can do the impossible. Embrace the church. Embrace the people that come alongside you in your parenting. I have no idea what God's plan will be for you and your family. If your kids will always say yes and obey right away, or if they will fight everything you tell them whether your kids will grow up to be haters or lovers of God, whether you'll have two, five, eight, 15 kids. One thing I do know, as you trust God and seek to obey his commands, you can rest on every promise found in his word. 
He says children are a blessing. They are. Now go and be proactive with your kids. Set a godly example before your little apprentices. Teach, train, and encourage them well. May God be glorified as we diligently train our children to fear, love, serve, and obey God wholeheartedly. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will be with these moms, that you will guide and direct them, that you will strengthen them in this work they are called to do. I pray that they will joyfully serve their families and train their kids well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What a great talk. So much application. Two things that I took away from this talk that I think are important to remember and important to review. Okay, first off, we are called to two different types of discipline as we parent our children. And those two different types are proactive and reactive. Most of our parenting actually turns into proactive. We always need to be looking for how we can teach and train our children. Secondly, as parents, especially if you're listening and you are a parent of older children, upper elementary, middle school, high school, and beyond, we're really never done parenting, are we? Our, par- our parenting just changes. When our kids are little, it's really hands-on. Sometimes we're down in the nitty-gritty, sitting on the floor, helping them work through a problem. But as our kids grow up, we need to keep disciplining them. We need to keep training them and teaching them and keep working on the things that we need to so that they're ready to head out as our little apprentice in life. I hope you too grab some pieces of truth out of this talk that you can apply in your life this week, maybe even today. I think it was so helpful. Hey, are you looking for something else that's helpful? Listen to our next week's episode. It's called Handy Helps for the Home. We're gonna talk about some real practical everyday things that you and I can do and how to make them better We're going to talk about some real practical everyday things that you and I can do and how to make our lives better with five principles that we can use in our homes and in our lives. Join us next week. Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.